Um, open your Bibles tonight then to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and uh, we're going to look at verse 12. We're doing a series called Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. And uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, fight. Fight who? Fight your neighbor? Fight your relatives? No, it says fight the good fight of faith. And then he goes on to say, lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now I want you to, to notice that word, that phrase, lay hold on eternal life. We could say it this way, lay hold of God's word and wrap your arms around it. Take hold of who you are in Christ. Take hold of the promises of God and hold them close to your heart. When you find a scripture that is pertinent to your case, you ought to say, this is mine. This is mine. That applies to me. I own that. I acknowledge that. And as I acknowledge it, and as I confess it, I will possess it. Amen? Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm tonight. Praise the Lord. You all must be tired or something. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. (laughs) We'll continue right along here. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse uh, 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The Apostle Paul is talking. And the time of my departure is at hand. Do you suppose it's possible for you to know the time of your departure? Amen. Now, yesterday, uh, Brenda and I left Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our flight was uh, to be at 3.20. And we didn't leave until about 3.50. But we knew what the time of our departure was. And so we were aware of that. And so we knew we needed to get ready for that. And pack up our clothes and do all the things that you do to get checked in at the airport and, and return, you know, your, your rental car and all those things. Because we knew that the time of our departure was at hand. Now, if you can know that naturally, do you suppose you can know that spiritually? Can you know when it's time for you to go? How many of you it's time for you to go tonight? All right. I believe this, that just like the Apostle Paul fought a good fight. And the Bible says that the time of his departure was at hand. He said, I fought the good fight of faith and I have finished my race. I've kept the faith. How many of you know that the only time for you to leave is when you're finished? Now, the devil will try to take some people out before they're finished. But we have authority over that rat. Amen. Amen. We've been given the name above every name. And so if the enemy tries to take you out before you're finished, you have a right to stand against him. Because you know when the time of your departure is. You'll know it. And if you don't know that it's the time of your departure, you might as well just stay. I said you might as well just stay. You might just as well stay and finish up what God's put on the inside of you. Let me ask you a question tonight. Has God put something on the inside of you concerning the supply of the Spirit for the body of Christ in this day and this hour? Has He? Are you finished yet? I know God's not finished with you. 
But are you finished? Well, if you're not finished, you ought to stay. Amen. You ought to stay. And like they say down south, get her done. We saw Brother Ricky recently, you know, and he, he talks Oklahoma talk, and it's get her done time down there. Amen? And if God's put some things on the inside of you that you've sort of neglected and you've sort of not done anything about, how many of you know it's time to start doing something about the plan of God and the call of God that He's placed on the inside of you? Amen? Amen? Glory to God. So the Apostle Paul, he knew that the time of his departure was at hand. He said, I fought the good fight. Is there a fight to faith? I have fought the good fight. Now, how many of you have ever been in a fight in the natural? I can remember in sixth grade, I got in a fight with Steve Malone. I went to a, a Catholic grade school, and I thought I was something on a stick. But that day, Steve Malone made toothpicks out of my stick. I'm telling you what, I, I got the first few punches in, but next thing I know, I was laying on the ground. And he had something like a big boulder ready to do it in on my head, and someone moved him out of the way. That wasn't a good fight. You know why it wasn't a good fight? Because I went home bawling. I went home crying. I went home with black eyes. Poor me. My point is this. It ain't a good fight when you lose. A good fight is a fight that you win. How many winners we got in this house tonight? I just wondered if I dropped by the right church or not. Am I in a word church here tonight? How many of you believe in fighting the good fight of faith? And the good fight of faith is a fight that you win. Yeah. Amen? Amen? The Bible says, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Corinthians says it like this, but thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say it with me, he always, always. causes me to triumph. He has given me the victory. Through my Lord Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And then he notice this phrase here. He said, I have kept the faith. Or, I didn't let my faith slip. The same one who pinned this also pinned, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I believe the Amplified Version says we regulate our lives according to faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We talk by faith. Sometimes, how many of you know you've got to rejoice by faith? Amen. And so he said, I've kept the faith. I didn't let my faith go. Then he goes on to say in verse 8, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, the last time I had a Wednesday night service, we talked about how that Jesus is our example in a person who fought the good fight of faith and won. When the devil came to Jesus, 
he pulled out the sword of the Spirit. And he said, it is written, it is written, and it is also written. We see that before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate was trying to take him down, trying to grab him and and defeat him through his own words. And the message translation says that Jesus didn't give Pontius Pilate one inch. And that lines up with the Word of God. Pontius Pilate's a type of the devil. And the Word of God says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him an inch. Don't give him any space in your life whatsoever. Amen? Amen. Now, notice our text again in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We said last time that fighting the good faith and closely connected to that is the confession of your faith. It is a fight of faith to maintain and to keep a good confession in the midst of adverse circumstances. It is a challenge to maintain a strong, solid confession of faith when there is pain in your body. It can be very difficult to maintain a posture and expectancy of faith when the bills are stacked up and they're talking to you in the middle of the night. Amen. But part of my fight, I don't know about you, But I'm pretty sure it it belongs to you as well. Part of your fight is to maintain this right here. To maintain this thing two inches beneath your tongue. Beneath your tongue and your nose. You know, some, some Christians, bless their darling hearts, they oppose themselves. They say, well, you know... You all talk about confession so much at this church. I just don't believe in this confession business. Don't you have something new for me? No, I don't have anything new. I don't have anything new. You know, I I love people like that. I'm not against them. I'm for them. But in my heart, I feel sorry for them. You know, if there's nothing to this confession business, then there's nothing to salvation. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Romans, the 10th chapter, the 9th verse and the 10th verse says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, what will happen? You will be saved. But here's verse 10 is what I want you to see. He says, For with the heart one believes, or with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now look at that verse. Would it be right to say this, that there is no salvation without confession? That there is no remission of sin? There's no new birth or no accessing the new birth unless you believe and unless you confess and unless you open your heart up to Jesus? You see, the way I got saved is I went to an altar and I made a public declaration of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I not only believed it in my heart, but I verbalized it with my mouth. Listen to this statement. 
It is very important to link your speaker up with what you believe in your heart. To connect your words with what you truly believe in your heart. So we see the value and we see the place that confession holds in the new birth. But did you know it holds the same place in your daily life and in your daily walk? Say this with me. My Christian experience begins with confession. Now don't stop there. That's merely the starting place. That's where it begins But it continues every day of your life. God made you in His image and in His likeness. He made you a speaking spirit. He made you as a new creation in Christ Jesus to take His word, believe it in your heart, and say it with your mouth. Say this with me. Believing Believing. plus confessing. Activates my faith. Look at Romans 10.10 again in in the last part of that verse. It says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. How many of you want to get unto salvation? Now that word salvation also means healing. It also means preservation. It also means wholeness. It also means prosperity. So if you want to get out of the land of poverty into the land of prosperity, you've got to believe the Word and start declaring what the Word says concerning your prosperity. Then my God shall supply half of my need. No, thank God my God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory by what? By Christ Jesus. If you want to get out of the land of weakness... The Bible says, let the weak say, if you want to get out of the land of sickness and disease, the Bible says, let the sick say, let the sick say, if you want to get out of the land of weakness, let's do that one more time. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Glory to God. See, to get unto some things, it takes more than just believing. It takes more than just hearing Pastor Mark, Pastor Tom, Pastor Nancy, Pastor Brenda speak the Word of God. It's good to come to church. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We need that. But faith will come even more quickly in your life as you take the promises of God and you hear yourself speak what God said about you. Amen. I decided years ago... I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I decided years ago I was sick and tired and sick and tired of being broke. How about you? So if you want to not be broke, you can't talk broke. There's too many people talking broke. They talk how bad the economy is. They talk about this. They talk about that. I'm telling you, one way to stay broke is to talk broke. But if you want to get unto prosperity, if you want to get unto your wealth in place, hook your speaker up with your believer. Find the exceeding precious great promises of God and rise up in faith and say what God's word has to say. Amen. You know what? I'm going to drink to that. That's good preaching.
<coughs> Hallelujah, like Mario used to do. That's good preaching, brother. Preach it. Amen. So don't stop at the starting place. When you get born again, your life just starts. Laying hold of eternal life is laying hold of the promises of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look over at Mark eleven twenty three. Mark the eleventh chapter in the twenty third verse. Jesus said something here that's really important for us to be reminded of. And if you haven't ever heard it before, hear this and be blessed. He said, For assuredly I say to you. So who's he talking to? He's talking to me. He's talking to you. For verily I say unto you, whosoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And does not doubt where? You must believe where? With the heart man believeth. And shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have what? He will have whatever he says. Now this is very interesting. Keep that verse up there. Let's count how many times he says the word say or saith. Verily I... Say unto you, whosoever shall say, that will be counted as one, be removed and be cast in the sea, shall not doubt his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he So we see it four times. Okay? Now, Brother Hagin years ago was praying, and uh, he was, you know, praying around the altar, and he was seeking God about some things. You know, it's good to seek God when you need some answers. Amen? You know, you can reason things out, but God knows the answer. God knows the direction for you. And so he would spend many afternoons in prayer around the altar, and he'd keep his Bible open at the altar, and sometimes he'd just sit over there in the presence of God, and the Lord would speak to him. And one thing the Lord said to him one day about Mark eleven twenty three, he said this. He said, Kenneth... You'll have to do three times as much preaching about the saying part as you do the believing part. Now that's in there four times, but really three in the context of what we're talking about. Three that it pertains to us. He said, you'll have to do three times as much preaching about the saying part as you do the believing part. Then he went on to say, people are not missing it primarily in the believing part. He said, where people are missing it is in the saying part. You know, it's it's just easy to get lazy. You know, we just came out of some real hot weather. I understand it's been hot here. Did it get up to 100? No. Got up into the 90s? Well, down there in Tulsa, it got to be 105 index, heat index one day. And I'm telling you, just walking from the car into the auditorium, it was hard to breathe. And it's just, in the natural realm, when it gets hot, it's just kind of easy to get lazy. Well, did you know that the tempter comes with his fiery tests? He comes with his fiery trials. And when the heat is on, is not the time to be lazy. When the heat is on, is the time to gird up. We could say it like we're saying tonight. When the heat is on, it's not time for you to shut up. It's time for you to speak up. See, that's what the devil wants. The devil wants to shut you up. 
You cannot outthink him. The Bible doesn't say, think about the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible says, resist him and he will flee from you. Amen? So when the heat is on and the heat comes on all of us, every one of us, will face the crisis of life. I faced a few crises. How about you? Okay. Now we don't want to turn it into a cry about the crisis testimony service tonight. We want to shout about the victory. Because as I can see, you're still breathing. You're still alive. Come on. You're still here. Amen. Evidently, you're not finished yet because you're still here. So every one of us has faced some adversity and some tough times. But in tough times is where you really need to gird up the loins of your mind. Instead of shutting up, speaking up. That'd be a good title. Don't shut up, speak up. Speak up. Speak up. Speak from what you have put within your heart. Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 3. And notice with me in verse 1. Hebrews, the third chapter. And uh, verse 1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling... Consider the apostle and high priest of our what? Our confession, our profession, Christ Jesus. Our confession or our profession. It should be the profession of every believer to hold fast to the confession of their faith. In other words, that's our job or that's our duty as a believer. That's our profession is to continuously confess what God has said about us. Amen? Now, let's define what confession is. The dictionary says that to confess means to acknowledge or to own up to or to acknowledge faith in. Vines says this. That confession means to declare openly by way of speaking out freely. Such confession being the effect of a deep conviction of facts. So to acknowledge faith in, to own up to. And so confession then, actually, there are three things about it. Number one, confession is stating something that you believe. Something that you believe. Secondly, confession is declaring something that we know to be true. Is his word true? Jesus said it is. is. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So his word is true. So when you are believing and confessing his word, you are declaring something that you know To be true. Love that. And then thirdly, confession is proclaiming a truth that we have accepted wholeheartedly. Now, how many of you know, when it comes to the Word of God, the Word of God must be accepted. I said the Word of God must be accepted. Acceptance. Uh I like what Amos 3.3 said. He said, can two walk together... Lest they be in agreement. How can we walk with God if we're not in agreement with God? Another way we could say it is this. How can we walk with God if we are not in agreement with His Word? God and His Word are one. 
If we're going to walk with God in this day and in this hour and be in agreement with God, we must wholeheartedly accept in our spirits everything that he said to us. And that's what confession does. Confessing his word proclaims a truth that we have accepted wholeheartedly. Say it with me out of your heart. I desire to walk with God every day of my life. Now, when you walk with God and you agree with God and you align your life with God, you can expect results. You can expect results. I am telling you tonight, there are rewards for walking with Him. There are rewards for being faithful to Him. Now, we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that He's faithful to us. We found out, you found out from Pastor Nancy that God is faithful. And the Bible says that a righteous man, hallelujah, will abound with the blessings of God. A faithful man shall abound with his blessings. Walk with him. Agree with him. And let God bless your life. Expect him to show up and be God in your life. <coughs> Amen? Amen. So by confessing God's word, we take possession of his promises. We confess God's word to establish it in our hearts. And then we confess his word to admit and to accept that it's true. Hallelujah. I mean, you just might as well admit it. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You might as well just admit it. You are the strong. You might as just well admit it. You are the accepted in the beloved. See, that's part of your confessing is you admit that you are what the word says you are. John Osteen years ago, and we preached with John Osteen in a camp meeting way back in, I think, 1995 in Tulsa. I preached on the 91st Psalm, and Brenda preached a message called Jump in the River. And she started talking all that oaky talk, you know, and man, I mean, the Mokies just loved it. Glory to God, and they danced because they could hardly dance anymore. But, you know, John Osteen would start his broadcast out every, every Sunday. He says, I am what the Word of God says I am. I have what the Word of God says I have. I can do what the Word of God says I can do. Woo! Glory to God. Raise your Bible up and say, I am what the Word of God says I am. I have what the Word of God says I have. I can do what the Word of God says I can do. Hallelujah. Why don't you shout or peep or something? I don't know. <laughs> Glory to God. So if you want to walk with him, agree with him. Yeah, but grandma taught this. Is what grandma taught what God taught? Or did grandma teach things that are just religious tradition? And the only way that you're going to know if what grandma taught is right is does it line up with the B-I-B-L-E. Now, don't misunderstand me. Grandma's nice. She makes some awesome peach cobbler. Amen. And she took care of you when you were a baby. But was grandma's mind renewed? Amen. That doesn't mean you love grandma any less. But if what grandma tell you doesn't line up with what God tell you, you better stay with God. Now, that doesn't mean you have to fall out of sorts with grandma. She's still grandma. 
And that's the way it is with the body of Christ. How many know the body of Christ is not in agreement in everything? You have found that out. (laughs) There's a lot of variance in this camp and that camp and this camp and that camp. You know, I like Dad Higgin. He's my spiritual father. We went to his mausoleum the other day in Tulsa. Beautiful gravesite. Mom and Dad Hagen buried there. Beautiful. We'll show you a picture of it. Beautiful gravesite. And on the top of the, uh, of the mausoleum, it's Mark eleven twenty four, which is his scripture. It says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And so, you know, we went to his mausoleum and we took pictures there. And it was just, you know, it just almost brought me to tears because I'm so grateful for the heritage of faith that I got there. And... Uh, just wonderful and all those great memories of mom and dad Hagen. You know, dad Hagen was in this church several times over the years. Wonderful, great influence. But you know, brother Hagen said, he said even of himself, he says, I don't always agree with myself, much less everybody else. I don't always agree with myself, much less everybody. You know, I found that to be true. I have, I don't think I've found anybody yet that I fully agree with. Be honest with you. Well, what don't you agree on? None of your business. But just because I may not agree with a brother or a sister, you know what? We're in the same family. We don't have to fall out of sorts with one another. Come on, somebody. We don't have to divorce ourselves from one another just because we're not in perfect agreement. Come on. Amen. We're to walk in love. We're to walk in the Spirit. So... Amen. Let's agree. What do you say? We agree with God. Yeah. You're on safe ground when you agree with God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. Did we look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 yet? Let's look over there. Hebrews the fourth chapter, the 14th verse. We got a little bit more time yet. Some of you are getting warmed up now. Praise the Lord. Hebrews the fourth chapter, the 14th verse. I understand how that goes. I've been in meetings and it took me an hour and a half or so to smile. <laughs> oh, but when I started smiling, it sure got good. Hebrews 4, chapter uh, 14. <laughs> it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Say it with me. I got a great high priest. We got a great high priest. Where is he passed into? He's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us... Hold fast our profession, or let us hold fast our confession. Christianity is called the great confession. So what he's saying here is let us hold fast to saying who we are, what we are, what we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, look over at Hosea chapter 14. And notice with me in verse 2. So we know that God used words to create the world, right? He created everything by the word of his power. He created it by using words. If you look back at Genesis chapter 1, right on through the end of the chapter, you will see over and over again that God said, God said, God said, and you know what happened? God saw. So we could say and rejoice in the fact that the word of God was powerful in God's mouth, right? But correspondingly, his words spoken out of our mouths are powerful. Now, how many of you have ever needed a miracle in your life? Now, understand this. When we talk about the word miracle, we're talking about the word miracle in a kind of a a loose terminology. Logistically, a miracle 
is, is something that is something that's beyond the ordinary course of nature, like water being turned into wine. But just for the sake of, of uh, an illustration tonight, we could say that, yeah, we've all needed miracles before. We've all needed a financial miracle, right? Or we've all needed a financial breakthrough. That's a miracle in a sense. All of us have, have needed a physical breakthrough or a physical miracle. How about that? How about with your loved ones? I mean, we, we had a son that was rebellious. Now he's serving God. He's doing great. He's going to preach in our church in September. James, to God be the glory. Brenda and I look at each other and Nance and Pastor Tom and Kimberly we look at each other and say, now that's a miracle. I mean, that's a real miracle. So in the general sense of a term, perhaps you have a loved one that was rebellious and they turned. We could say, glory to God. Now that's a miracle. So do we rejoice in miracles? Now, you may be here tonight and need a miracle tonight. I'm here to help you get that miracle. I'm not the miracle worker, but I know the miracle worker. I'm not the one who gives the breakthrough, but I know the one who gives breakthroughs. I'm not the healer, but I know the healer. I'm not your source, but I know your source. And I know what's worked for me all these years. And I know that if it's worked for me, it'll work for you. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Say this with me. God is, God is no, respecter no respecter of persons. Of and people say, well, Pastor Mark, that works for you because you're a preacher. I know a lot of preachers that ain't working for. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be ugly about it. But just because you've got a reverend in front of your name doesn't mean you're going to get your prayers answered. You're going to get your prayers answered because you come in line with the Word of God, yeah. believing you receive and asking according to His will, not according to your doctorate. That's right. There's a lot of guys with doctorates, DDs and PhDs. Sometimes I think a PhD means post hole digger. <laughs> they got all these degrees and everything, but they're no more prosperous than, than uh, dumb doodly. Not getting their needs met. And been in the ministry for years. Just because you're reverend doesn't mean you're going to get your needs met. God's no respecter of persons. I better say that again. God is no respecter of persons. And I, I thank God that I can follow those now, because there are a lot of preachers that have gotten their answered prayers. And I can follow them who through faith and patience have inherited the promises and rejoice with it. But what qualifies you to get your prayers answered is you're in agreement with God. And you come in alignment with the principles of God's word and you work your faith according to the Bible. Amen. Now, let me help you for a minute. Can I preach a while? Not a long while, just a little while. So, what is it that my Heavenly Father and your Father wants to see you and to see me bringing to Him in order that we may get our miracle? Look at Hosea 14, verse 2. Prepare your confession and come back to God. The New King James Version says, Take words with you and return 
to the Lord. Take His words with you. If you've gotten away from walking by faith and not by sight, if you've let go the profession of your faith, what this is saying is take His word back up again and return the word to the Lord. The message translation says, prepare your confession and come back to God. Prepare your confession and come back to God. In other words, take His Word. Take God's promises and declare His promises before Him. Look at Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 26. Isaiah 43 and verse 26 says this, that we are to put Him in remembrance. He says, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. In other words, take his word, go before his throne, and put him in remembrance. Not arrogantly, not in a spirit of pride, but in a humble spirit. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I have found your word, and your word says. And then quote his word back to him. And he is our faithful high priest who watches over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. Prepare your confession. Take the word of God to him. Put his word in your heart. Speak it out of your mouth. You know, if the weak are ever going to get any help, they got to change what they're saying. If the troubled are ever going to be helped, they've got to change what they're saying. Declare, the Lord is my strength. Whom shall I be afraid? If the sick are going to get help, they're going to have to change what they're saying and what they're declaring. Amen? If the fearful are ever going to get any help, they're going to have to change what they're saying. Oh, I'm so afraid. I'm so fearful of what's coming upon the earth. The Bible says that men's hearts will fail them in looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. But instead, we can rise up and say, thank God God didn't give me a spirit of fear. But he gave me a spirit of power and a love and what? And a sound mind. Turn quickly over to Hebrews chapter 13. You know, he that'll love life and see good days. How many of you love life? You like good days? Do you embrace good days? Well, he that'll love life and see, see good days, let him refrain his tongue from what? From evil. Now, that's not just talking about vulgarity and, and cuss words and things like that. But how many of you know that doubt and unbelief is evil? You look over at Numbers chapter 13 and you'll discover... That God spoke to them and he said, I've given you the land. And instead of coming back with a good report, 10 out of the 12 brought back an evil report of the land. And the evil report of the land was this, there's giants in the land. And we are not able to go up against them. And we became, we were just grasshoppers in our own sight and so we became grasshoppers in their sight. So their report was one of doubt and unbelief. God already gave them the good report. He said, the land is yours. 
But instead of being Joshua and Caleb with the spirit of faith, they came back with an evil report. Now, he that's going to love life, he that's going to see good days. And by the way, there's some good days ahead. But you know something? There's also some very bad days ahead. I'm going to say it like this. There's some very bright days ahead. But there also are very dark days ahead. How do you determine which side you're going to be on? I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to walk in the brightness of His rising. I'm going to walk in the light of God's Word so that when good days come, I'm going to be right in the middle of them. When bright days come, I'm going to be right in the middle of them. I don't believe in doom and despair and agony for Christians. But did you know a lot of Christians do? You can turn your television on and they're selling tribulation food. Amen. Selling tribulation food. Back in uh, Y2K days, some people stored up so much water that they still got it. Some people got so fearful of tribulation that they put water in their water beds. I think Christians like that might just float away. I don't know. See, there are Christians that are going to face dark days. There are Christians that are going to face depressed days. But it's not the will of God. It is a matter of which way they determine their life is going to go. You can change and turn your world around by the word of God and by the believing in your heart and the words of your mouth. Or you can live on the sad side of the street. Oh, I'm just so depressed, I don't know how I'll ever make it. Every time the flu comes to town, I get it. You know, things are tough, things are bad. What is happening there is people are programming their spirit for defeat. Amen. Did Jesus say you can have what you say? Amen. If you believe it in your heart. So there's good days coming. There's glorious days coming for the church. There's awesome days coming in the body of Christ. And you know what? This church isn't going to miss out on it. We're not going to miss out of days of heaven upon the earth. We're not going to miss out on the manifest presence of God. But I tell you, a lot of churches will. Because the Spirit of God is not welcome there. Say, Lord, you're welcome in my life. And you're welcome in this place. Now, there's three voices that will talk to you. Number one, the voice of the world. It's controlled by the rulers of the darkness of this world. Second, there's the voice from God and His Word that tells you you're healed, you're prosperous, you're strong. And then there's your voice. There's your voice. What do you say about it? Whose report will you believe? Whose side will you take? As for me and my house, as for me and this local church, we're going God's way.